Hey, welcome to our church. It's Easter, and for us, that's a really big deal. Here's why. At our church, we believe that a guy named Jesus really walked the earth. We believe Pilate had him beaten, and we believe Peter denied him. At our church, we believe that Jesus was nailed to beams of wood. We believe that he shed real blood, cried real tears, and felt real pain. We believe the sky grew dark and the earth shook. And we believe that after six excruciating hours, Christ's agony came to a crashing halt when he breathed his last breath. We also believe the story didn't end there. At our church, we believe with every ounce of our being that Jesus walked out of the tomb alive on Sunday morning. Please don't ask us to shy away from that core conviction because it lies at the very center of our faith. And we invite you to check it out for yourself. At our church, we're not just going to leave the story there. We're not going to place it on a dusty doctrinal bookshelf in some church basement. At our church, we're going to learn to live today in full response to the empty tomb. And make no mistake about it, there is abundant life to be had right now for every person in this room. And it's all because 2,000 years ago, God took on human flesh. He lived and he died and then he lived again. And today, we are celebrating that event and the life it offers us. It's Easter. He is risen. Welcome to our church. Welcome to LifeQuest. Happy Easter. Um, We have some... We're we're celebrating the resurrection of our king today. And so we've got some... We've got some awesome music to do that. So if you could all stand and worship with us, that would be awesome.
shouted out again, and he gave up the ghost. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and rocks split apart, and tombs were opened, and the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. And they left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. And they went into the holy city of Jerusalem. And they appeared to many people. And the Roman officer 
and other soldiers at the crucifixions were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And they said, this man truly was the Son of God.
up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. And as they strained their eyes to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand staring up into heaven? Jesus has been taken into heaven. But he will come again the same way that you saw him go. also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And there will come a time when I return to get you, and you will stay forever with me. Very good. He is alive. Nice place. He is alive. All right, we're going to prepare for uh, time to take some communion here. And um, I just have a little disclaimer. <clears throat> I've been awake since yesterday at 7 o'clock a.m. So <laughs> worked all night, came here to be with you all. And uh, so I promise you that LifeQuest is like a hundred times more spiritual than I'll probably be in the next five minutes. So just please filter. I mean, you saw it already, right? <clears throat> um, I want to, my, my thought for communion comes from Matthew chapter 16, um, verse 21. This is where Jesus predicts his death to his disciples. And he says, 
All right, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Verse 22 says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Have you ever had an idea that you thought was like a good idea until you started sharing it with people and, and they're kind of like, eh, not so much? So I kind of, Nathaniel, I kind of uh, <laughs> see it kind of going something like this. Jesus, come on. Remember, they were, there was uh, Italians that were ruling the Jews at that. <laughs> jeez, jeez. I get, I get, I get, I get what you're trying to do here with that, uh, the crucifixion thing. It's cool, it's cool. Like you look tough, you know. It's good, it's good. But it's not good for us right now. Okay, we can't do this. We can't do this. All right. It's no good. It's no good. I don't like it. I don't like it. You know, we can't do it. And hey, anyone here touches this guy, I'm going to take this sword, cut your ear off. Okay? Forget it. I'll cut your ear right off. So, you know, something like that. He pulls Jesus aside. But then Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I had, I had the disclaimer. Um, I know there's 18 guests here today. Um, so anyway, but honestly, to get serious again, you know, you have an idea sometimes and and it doesn't sound like a great idea, you know, like maybe a pancake breakfast on Easter, but then it works out and it's awesome, right? And I thought it was great. So there's just so many times we put our minds on the way of man and we would look at, you know, our life through our own eyes and our own experiences and we forget about the mind of God. And when we come on Easter, it's hard to put aside what happened on Friday. You know, on Friday, the plan didn't look so hot. It didn't seem so good, you know, like, Jesus, this isn't good for us. Okay. You know, forget about it. Let's, let's do something else. On Saturday, it looked really bad, really bad. But then came Sunday. Then the plan from came, made a transition from the mind of man to the mind of God. And people saw that this plan came from God. This plan didn't come from the mind of man. And I can only imagine how Peter felt when he was rebuked by Jesus that day. But it really drew in the power and the weight of this plan. And he wanted him to know. This is, this is how it's got to be. This is exactly what God wants us to do. So in a minute when you come up, and I'll explain how we do the uh, communion here, I want you to remember, just think about the things in your life or the things that you've planned for your life that maybe have an idea and it's inspired by God, and you've shared it. It's been shot down. But remember that God's plans take time, and when they come to fruition, and they're amazing, you can't do anything better. Just like Jesus couldn't have done it, or God couldn't have done anything better with Jesus than to put him on that cross 
put him in that grave and then have him come back to life on Sunday morning. Amen. So in a minute here, when I give the word to come on up, um, we're going to have you come up. There's two tables here with communion on them. There's a cup with some juice. There's some bowls with bread. Take a piece of the bread. Dip it into the uh, cup. It's a, a thing we like to call in tinction, dipping. And then you'll go back and you'll gather with maybe whoever you came with, maybe somebody different. But you gather and not be alone because here at Life Bus, that's an important thing for us, that we don't take the communion alone. We gather together. We remember together Christ's sacrifice for us. Um, if you have a quick second while I finish up the instructions and you want and you're a visitor and you want to share with us a little bit about yourself, in the middle of your table there's a connection card. You can pick that up. You can fill it out real quick. I know there's not a ton of time. Um, but go ahead and, and do that. Come on up. We'll, we'll, uh, de- we'll sanitize ourselves here with the, the Germex, and um, then we'll go to the tables. Um, and again, go back with your family, your friends, or someone new and share this celebration with them. Is there anything I'm forgetting? I'm a little tired. So I'm just going to say a quick prayer. Lord, we thank you that you had a plan, that your plan was better than any plan we could have came up with, anything we could have thought of. And when we heard the plan, we're like, eh, not so good. But when it happened, when Sunday morning came, when the, when the uh, tomb was empty, man, that plan was a good plan. And we saw it then. And we see it now. And Lord, today we don't focus on Friday. Today we focus on Sunday. We focus on the fact that you rose again from the dead. And because you did that, you're going to take us up with you just as you left. Just as you came, you're going to take us up. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your plans, Lord. And Lord, just uh, bless us, these elements as we take them in remembrance of that plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Tables are open. Um, so I will be, yes. So I figured it was time to move from the shadows to a more visible location um, in my service of life quest. I'm not saying that I am Batman. I'm just saying there are no photos of me and Batman together. So you can conclude from that what you will. We have several very, very fun things coming up for us. There's going to be a men's breakfast on April 22nd at 10 a.m. I hear there will be bacon at the men's breakfast. Um, We want you guys to, as men, come together and grow together and build Christian and godly relationships so that you have accountability and friendships and people to spit ideas off of. So if you feel like you don't know too many of the other men here at LifeQuest or if you want to meet some of the new ones, come out to the men's breakfast on April 22nd. Um, Coming up is going to be our Frosty and Friends dinner on the 21st. Um, that is a ministry where we try and help families around Christmas time. Um, and this year, we want to bless almost double the amount of families from last year. So we need a lot more help this year around. It's going to be on the 21st, and we would love it if you guys would join LifeQuest in serving these communities and in helping families. 
um, because the church is a body of people doing ministry together and serving the Lord together. Um, so if you guys could come out, that's on the 21st. On the 22nd, that's going to be this Saturday, is our youth group. It's going on at um, the gate or Luke's apartment. Um, you know, what are the other? That's going to be this Saturday. I strongly believe, as a young person, um, that young people need to learn about the faith and grow in the faith separate from their parents at times. So they can really wrestle with what is truth and what is the gospel and how do I learn it. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do at youth group. So come out this Saturday, send your kids. It's going to be a great time. There's always food and pizza and good stuff and games um, and also some very serious Bible time where we really break into the word and start studying things deeply. So um, yeah, that's great. This week, things you guys can be praying for, because we want you guys to be praying with us as a church. We are praying for the Flower City Work Camp. Um, yeah, there are a lot of our people there, lots of our um, adults are there, and lots of the kids are working there. So this week, be praying, um, because we want this to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. We don't want it just to be men working, but we want it to be spirit-infused and God working there. So be praying this whole week and get ready to hear some very fun stories, I'm sure. This month, life groups are not happening, but they will be happening next month. So get ready next month for life groups. Um, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. This is another time where you guys can meet people and become a stronger community, get to know the people sitting around you. Um, because we don't want you guys to be strangers sitting in a room, all listening to one person speak. We want you guys to be a community, working together, knowing each other, living together. Um, so next month, come out, we're doing the life groups, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and there is actually a sign-up table in the back that you can sign up for if you would like to. Um, so sign up for life groups. That'll be a great time. If you haven't met me yet, and many of you have not, I'm trying to get to know people, I'm trying to learn names, so come say hi. I'm sure I'll mess up your name multiple times, um, but I would love to meet you guys. And now, Pastor Rob. I don't know that we've ever had clapping for announcements. <laughs> that was fantastic. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, happy Easter. And uh, my friend Tom uh, taught me how to say uh, what the traditional greeting is in Greek. Christos Anesti. Anitos Anesti. Uh, it means Christ is risen, and then the response is, he is risen indeed. So let's try that together, all right? I'm going to say, Christ is risen, and you're going to reply by saying, he is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. So in addition to it being Easter, today is also our anniversary. Not my wife and I's anniversary, but our anniversary. Uh, today, LifeQuest is nine years old. It's our ninth birthday today. Um, I know that it, it technically, it's, it, you know, Pastor Jamie talked about this last week, how Easter kind of scooches around um, because it's based on, I don't know, Batman's appearances. It's kind of weird how they figure out where the, pa the Passover falls. Uh, but it's never on the same weekend. And so our first Sunday was March 25th, right? What's March 25th, right? Somebody who knows the combination to our locks upstairs. Uh, March 25th. Thanks, now. They just told you how to get into all of our stuff. Um, and that just got, went out to the Internet and everywhere. Awesome. Um, March 25th. 
you know, we were just talking about this. Uh, I, we've got a bunch of guests that are here. Um, I think, Ray, you were here that Sunday. Because there are pictures of you nine years ago. It's this cute little peanut. Um, and so you're here again. Uh, welcome back. It's good to have you guys. This morning, we are going to kind of navigate through the three days of Easter weekend. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting when you... You try to sit down and, and pray and hear God's voice for what, what does he want to say to us on any given Sunday. But especially on Easter Sunday, it's like, God, what do you have for us? And it's a bit of a challenge because of, of all the Sundays, the expectation is, well, what, what is he going to talk about that I haven't already heard? Right? We've heard this story before. And we, we know that he died on Friday, and then Saturday, we're not really sure what happened on Saturday, and then Sunday morning, we know that he rose from the dead, and there was an earthquake, and angels, and disciples running all over the place, and, and, and women saying that he's risen, and we, we know that story. And it's interesting, because we take our time throughout the year to make sure that we, we preach the whole counsel of God, and so we try to talk about things that impact our lives, right? We talk through message series about marriage, and we talk about finances, and we talk about uh, what, what does it mean to follow Christ, right? And, and this year we, we just wrapped up a series called Outcasts, and the, the people in the book of Luke that nobody thought uh, mattered, but Jesus thought that they mattered. And it's interesting that when you look at Scripture, what it talks about, when it talks about the apostles and what they taught, that the primary thing that they spoke on, the primary thing that they taught over and over and over again was that Christ was here, he was crucified, he was buried in a tomb, and on Sunday he rose from the grave. That's it. The apostles didn't teach marriage seminars. They didn't teach on family dynamics. They didn't teach on finances. The apostles, over and over and over again, devoted themselves to teaching that Christ died and he was buried and he rose again. Here's the deal. If you don't get that, none of those other things are going to matter. Here's the deal. With your finances... If you don't believe that Christ is risen, then you won't trust him with your finances. If you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then you know that he is more powerful than your checkbook. And what you're worried about, is he going to be able to pay? Are we going to be able to cover our bills? Are we going to be able to afford to tithe? Are we going to be able to, to, be able to give to, to special offerings or to the, the, the big project that we're working on to create a youth center here in this community? If you don't believe that he rose from the dead, then how can, be, how can he be in control of my finances? Right? Because he's bigger. Than your checkbook. If you don't believe that he rose from the dead, then you know that impacts how you treat each other. It impacts how you treat your wife. It impacts how you treat your kids. And so I think sometimes when we think about, oh, it's the Easter story. I've heard this story before. 
if the, the, if the apostles taught this over and over and over again, I think it's important that we look at it again because it touches every single part of your life. Or it should. So this morning, what I want to do is we kind of unpack these 72 hours that happened uh, a long time ago, but still have relevance to your life and to my life today. You know, sometimes it feels like everything's falling apart, right? It feel, now, now, we don't, at the end of the week, we always say what? We say, thank God it's Friday, right? We are like, man, I can't wait for Friday. And, and it's Monday that's the day that it's like you see the, the, the picture of the polar bear like scooting across the ice on his face. And it's like, oh, it's Monday. For the disciples, Friday was Monday. Friday was the day that it all fell apart. I want to show you a, a video that kind of contrasts the hopelessness of Friday with the hope of Sunday. Check this out. Not that. Sorry. Yeah, that. Nope, nope. Yeah. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scars. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross and then they raised him up next to criminals it's Friday but let me tell you something Sunday's coming it's Friday the disciples are questioning what has happened to their king and the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved but they don't know it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone 
and die. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands God. And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. John chapter 19, verse 28. We're going to read through this. Verse 28 in chapter 19, it says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, and they put it on a hyssop branch, and they held it up to his lips. And when Jesus tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and released his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day. (coughs) Excuse me. Which was the Sabbath. And a very special Sabbath because it was the, the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs again to fulfill scripture, that not a bone in his body would be broken. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. Verse 35 says this report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you may also continue to believe. These things happen in fulfillment of the scriptures that say not one of his bones will be broken, and they and look on the one they pierced. <laughs> Excuse me, can someone get me something to drink, please? Verse 38. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. And he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. (coughs) The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation... For the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. (coughs) Excuse me. It was the Passover. It wasn't just any old weekend. It wasn't just any old festival. 
This was the festival. This was the celebration of the year. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> this was the weekend. And the Passover was, was that thing that they looked forward to all year long. And so they wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything that would mess up their celebration. So Jesus is crucified on Friday. And it's interesting, we've talked about this before, I think, but maybe you, you've not heard this part of the story. Crucifixion is one of those things that we, you know, we, we talk about, we, we, we have crosses that we wear around our necks, and, and we think that that is just a beautiful piece of jewelry, when in this story, in this time frame, it would be equivalent to wearing an electric chair around your neck because the cross was a form of capital punishment. It's how criminals were executed. A few years ago when uh, we had uh, Applefest out here, we were doing a, a series that we were promoting at Applefest, and we had a cross, and I built an electric chair and put them side by side. And people would stop by our booth and, and you could see them visibly disturbed by the electric chair, and, and they, were, they were bothered. And we, we would ask them, why does that bother you? Well, it's an electric chair that's offensive, but you don't have any problem with the cross? It's interesting that, that the form of execution, uh, that the cross is much more vicious, much more um, cruel, than, than the electric chair is. But we don't wear electric chairs around our necks, but we, we wear crosses. When they died on a cross, most times when you were crucified, it didn't, they, they weren't paying attention to when it happened. It didn't always happen on Friday. Sometimes you were crucified on a Monday, and, and you could hang there all week long. Uh, because dying on a cross, the nails don't kill you. What happens physiologically in your body as you're hanging there all of that time, your lungs begin to fill up with fluid, and you're able to inhale, but you can't exhale. And so as you're hanging there by your hands and by, with nails in your feet, the only way for you to get air out is to either pull on the nails that are stabbing through your wrists or pushing up on the nail that is piercing through your feet so that you can exhale and say anything or just or just breathe and Jesus puts his all of his weight on these these nails that are tearing through his body and he says it is finished so what they would do then to make sure that so in this case to make sure that the crucifixion was over quickly they ordered the soldiers to go through with an iron rod or a heavy club and smash the shin bones of those people being crucified so that there is no way for them to push up anymore. And then they would just suffocate on the cross. And that's how you died on a cross. But Jesus fulfilled scripture over and over and over again. That every time you look at something that happens in his life, it's a fulfillment of something, And so it says that not a single one of his bones will be broken in Exodus 12 and Numbers 9 and Psalm 34. 
And then the fact that a soldier took a spear and stabbed him in the side, that was, that was prophesied over in Zechariah chapter 12. And then he was buried. You know, the, the, the miracle of Easter, when we think about the, the different things that people say about Easter, that he didn't really die, that maybe he just passed out. And so then he, he went through all of those hours on the cross. He was stabbed with a spear on the side. Not only was he, all of those things, he was beaten, but he just passed out. And then they took him to a cold tomb, wrapped him up in 75 pounds worth of spices and, and resin, wrapped him all up, and then laid him in this cold tomb. And in the middle of the night, he woke up and then pushed this enormous stone out of the way and, and just walked out. That's how he was able to appear to all of the disciples. Plausible? I don't think so. It's interesting that that's what happened on Friday, and they had no idea that Sunday was coming. Even though Jesus had told them over and over again, right? He had told them, uh, Nathan talked about it, that, that he had told them, I'm, this is what's going to happen. They still didn't get it. They were, they, they were watching all of these things. Those of them that were actually there, John, who actually stayed by Jesus' side at the foot of the cross, all the other disciples scattered. They didn't get it. And so Saturday is the Sabbath. And, and it's silent. It's interesting that neither John, Mark, or Luke even mention Saturday. No one mentions what the disciples were doing. No one knows uh, what's happening. The only one is Matthew who says that there's any activity on Saturday when he talks about the Romans and the Jewish leaders and they get it in their heads because the Jewish leaders are terrified of what Jesus is going to do or what could happen. And so they tell the Romans, we need you to make sure that he doesn't come out. Whether he, whether he does what he says he is going to do or his disciples sneak in. And so they have the tomb sealed with a giant stone. And they have that stone then sealed with wax. And they put Italian bodyguards around it. Forget about it. He is not coming out. And these are guys who are not happy. They're, they're not your happy Pascarella Italians. These are guys who have been stationed in this dry, hot place with these obnoxious people who are constantly getting out of line, that they're constantly having to, to squash rebellion after rebellion after rebellion and, and uprising, and here's a Messiah over here, and here's a Messiah over here. And finally, we have this guy that they say, this is it. This is the guy. There's no way. They were letting him out. No way. Saturday was a dark day for his followers. You can only imagine the pain, the fear, the anxiety of, of what in the world are we going to do now? We had all our hopes pinned on this guy, and now it's Saturday, and he's dead. What are we going to do? 
could imagine the victory the enemies of God must have believed that they had won on that day with a dead Jesus sealed inside of a guarded tomb. Right? The Jewish leaders were feeling on top of the world. We've won. This is it. We, we got this guy out of the way. And then Sunday. Look at what it says in John chapter 20. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, it's interesting. The, the way that those grave stones were emplaced, there was a, a cave carved out of the hillside, and then there would be a track that a large stone would be placed in that kind of went uphill, and they would roll that stone down into place, and it would seal, it would lock in place. There was no way that one guy was even humanly possible to move this stone. And, and when it says it was rolled away, it doesn't mean that it was just rolled back up the slot. It was actually blown out. It was rolled away from the opening. The stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And, and so she ran and she found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Here's John again bragging on himself, right? Uh, John, the author of the book of John, who wants to make sure that everyone for all of eternity knows that he's the favorite. Peter and the one who Jesus loved. She said they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb and they were both running. And here he goes again. But the other disciple, me, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived because he's slow. And, and he went inside and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. When the, then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. That's interesting. The greatest moment in human history and they went home right they just went home i can't imagine the 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 terror the anxiety the fear of saturday and then sunday morning these women come screaming into the house saying he's risen or we don't the body's gone we don't know where he is Peter and John race to the tomb to try to figure out what in the world is going on. These women are hysterical. We're not really sure what's going on, but Jesus isn't there. And, and we know that he went in. They're clueless. They weren't anticipating a resurrection, even though Jesus told them, listen, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to destroy the temple, and in three days, I'm coming back. In different gospel accounts, back home meant that some of them were hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. For some, it back home meant that they actually went back to their old job before they met Jesus. 
They went back to being, being fishermen. They went back to what they were comfortable with. They went back to what they knew. They went home. You know, sometimes we, we put our trust in Christ and, and we get in a difficult situation or something hard happens. We experience a loss. We experience a setback. We experience something that you're just like, man, how in the world are we going to get out of this? And we just go back to our default, right? We go to what is safe. We go to what we know. We go back to, oh, okay, I know that I can do this. Verse 11 in chapter 20 of John. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. Now here's the thing. John and Peter had already been in the tomb. They had just been in there and then they left. And Mary stays. And not only is she staying, she's weeping. She's outside of the tomb just crying. And she stoops and looks in and there she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, Why are you crying? Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Teacher. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when uh, he said to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. But then here it says, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but I go and find your brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. This is Sunday morning. It's interesting, in another passage, the passage that Nathan read this morning, when the women show up at the tomb, they see these angels, right? And what happens when people see angels? They get scared, right? They freak out. Uh, Throughout the biblical record, when you see people have an encounter with an angel, they fall down on their face. They are terrified. And the angels always say, don't be afraid. It's like meeting uh, Shaq in a dark alley. And, and you walk up, and you are scared to death, and he in his deep voice says, don't be afraid. Right? You're going to be afraid. Not, I mean, he's harmless, I, I think. I don't know. I've not met him personally. Um, I did meet Reggie White once, and he's a monster. So we'll take it back to Reggie White. I've met Reggie White. He is harmless, unless you're playing football against him, because he'll destroy you. But it's interesting that 33 years prior, there was a young girl who was scared out of her mind because an angel showed up and said, don't be afraid to Mary when Jesus was being born or was announced that he would be born. And now again, we've got an angel saying, don't be afraid. Verse 19, it says that Sunday evening. So this is now still the same day. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Get this. They've been to the tomb. The tomb is empty. 
The clothes are folded neatly. It's not like someone just grabbed the body and ran. The things that they had wrapped him in are there. And, and he's not. Mary has seen Jesus, had spoken to her and said, go tell them. They're still hiding. They're afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he says. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And he said again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Christ lived here on this earth. He was executed on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, dead for three days. And Easter Sunday, he rose again. That is our hope. That is what this is all about. And that should impact every single aspect of our lives, the way we live our lives, the way we love in our marriages, the way we parent our kids, the way we serve in church, the way we do our jobs, the way we we live our lives with our friends based on the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is risen, and that changes everything. I love this. Uh, Anybody know who Chuck Colson is? Chuck Colson is now is a Christian author. He was a Washington insider in the 1970s when Nixon's scandal rocked uh, the country. And he was one of the guys that was involved in Watergate. And if you uh, uh, are old enough to remember Watergate, um, it was a scandal. Uh, if you are young and you haven't learned about Watergate in your history class, uh, you'll hear about how these guys lied, just terrifically lied, and tried to cover it up, and it blew up in their faces. So this is what Chuck Colson says. Um, he says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. He says, how? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured it if it wasn't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me that the 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Impossible. This morning, when we think about our lives and we think about the stuff that's going on in our lives and we think, you know, how can this, how can this get any harder, right? Like it feels like everything is falling apart. You're, you're struggling. You, you, you've just gone through a terrible loss. You are struggling with relationships. You're struggling with finances. You're struggling with whatever it is you're struggling with. It feels like Friday, Sunday isn't coming. It already happened. And that hope, that hope is available to every single one of us today. I want to play this song. It's called Hope's Anthem. And there in the line, it says, So my heart and tongue confess Jesus Christ, the hope of man.
play that, Bruce, that last video? He's awakening me, the hope in me, by calling forth my destiny. He's breathing life into my soul. I will thirst for Him and Him alone. He has come. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that our hope is not in our own abilities. Our hope is not in our own strength. Our hope is not in our ideas of what church should look like. Our hope is in you. Father, I know that there are some here this morning who are going through a really tough time. It feels like Friday for them. Maybe it even feels like Saturday and it's just silent. And they're waiting to hear you speak. Father, I pray that you would help us all to embrace the truth that it's Sunday. And he is risen. And that changes everything. Thank you. Elizabeth Elliot said this, she said, of one thing I am perfectly sure, God's story never ends with ashes. His plan for your life is good. He loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you, and not just that he died for you, but he rose again. He has defeated death. And if he can do that, Scripture says that that same power that raised Christ from the dead, now dwells in you. That we then get to be his hands and feet. He tells the disciples in in verses 19 and 20, he's, he's telling them that Sunday night, he says, peace be with you, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. It's our part now to take the reality of Easter out there and share the hope that we have within us. That's the reality of Easter. Thanks for coming this morning. We're so honored to have you with us. I know we've got a bunch of folks that we haven't seen in a while and uh, some that are here visiting with family. And uh, if, again, if you don't have a church home and you're looking for one, uh, we'd love to have you here. Um, at LifeQuest on Sundays. Blessings this week. Uh, if you're helping out with Flower City this week, um, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be praying for you um, that this week will be an awesome week for all of our kids. Make sure you get all your packing done. Um, I know we're probably still packing at our house, right? You packed on Friday. I had a girl. Not packed yet. Yeah, that's our house. Um, this Friday is the Frosty and Friends dinner. If you've got questions about that, see Sean and Nicole Paul. They're upstairs. They can give you the specifics on that. Um, there is the men's breakfast on Saturday, youth group on Saturday night at Luke's apartment. And, um, yeah, blessings. Have a fantastic Resurrection Sunday. Christ is risen. Amen. Blessings. Yeah, there's lots of leftovers to go if you didn't get breakfast. <laughs>